Welcome to our most recent episode of TIPCO Tech Talks. My name is David Rosen. Recently, our CTO Nelson Petracek and TIPCO Labs leader Greg James had a chance to sit down with the CIO of Dartmouth College, Mitch Davis. Dartmouth is a mid-sized university in New Hampshire, heavily focused on the undergraduate residential experience, but faced the uncertain future of delivering its mission in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. While many schools were struggling to contain the virus on campus and inconsistently applying policies that ultimately contributed to high rates of infection, Dartmouth, in partnership with TIPCO and TIPCO's Gather Smart application, was charting a resilient, data-centric approach to opening the campus last fall, and again this winter, with extremely low rates of infection and a curriculum and experience that at least approached normal. But as you will soon hear, this partnership between TIPCO and Dartmouth went well beyond integrating data and applying insights to make intelligent decisions. Gather Smart was an opportunity for the college to accelerate their digital innovation through a new kind of partnership where private technology leaders and educational institutions could work collaboratively to bring the best of both together. With that, I'll pass the end review on to Nelson, Greg, and Mitch. After their conversation, I'll come back and provide you with information on how you too can learn more about Gather Smart. You're listening to Tech Talks by Tinko. Welcome to our fireside chat on business resilience in a COVID 19 era. Hi, my name is Greg James. I'm Chief of Staff for Office of the CTO at TIPCO Software. With me today, Mitch Davis, CIO, Dartmouth College. Welcome, Mitch. Thanks for joining. Nice to see you. And Nelson Petracic, CTO of TIPCO Software. As always, Nelson, good to see you. Yeah, hello again. So thanks, guys, for, for joining. Uh, this is going to be a fun, you know, open conversation. We're really just going to operate this from the perspective of Three guys sitting down chatting about some technology, and um, I know that you know the topic on business resilience in the COVID nineteen area is pretty pretty interesting, especially what uh, Dartmouth has gone through and what Tipco has gone through. Uh, one in, in technology development, but also just as our companies and organizations have dealt with it. And so I'm 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 sure this is a topic we could probably talk about for a lot longer than thirty minutes. But uh, it is my job to keep us at 30 minutes, so we'll, we'll do our best. But uh, I expect you know this to be very interactive, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to, to talk about around the area that um, I've called out. So I, I, I did want to start off with something Mitch and I have talked a lot about, and I shared with Nelson and even with Dan and others in Tipco, and they really love you know this theme you have: thrive versus survive. And I think uh, you know you, you explained it to me in this COVID-19 era. It's a fantastic theme, and I think it would resonate pretty much with any organization. So I thought I'd let give you a chance when you kick off just kind of talking about that. And, and Nelson, I know you know I've talked to you about it as well, and, and you've had some uh, some input and thoughts on that. So maybe you can just kind of chime in. But, and Mitch, what what was the thought? How did this come about? Well, it came about we were talking with some alums and then uh, students, and the students were pretty doom and gloom. About coming back to campus, and the alums were saying, "Well, one of the greatest things they always they found out about Dartmouth was the just the memories they had when they came here, 
So I said, well, did you make those memories or did they just happen? And they said, no, we made them. And I said, well, what, what if we just uh, flip the narrative on this? Instead of saying uh, surviving COVID, like all of us are talking, what if we thrive during COVID? What if the, the thing you look back on is one of the greatest things you ever did, is that during a period of time when other people were just surviving, you found a way to thrive and do something. You went back to school and you created things and maybe even built a business and did all these things that were exceptional versus sort of just getting by. And then what I would like to do with Dartmouth is to take all of what we're learning in online learning, because online learning really hasn't done that much in 20 years. But my name at Dartmouth is pretty much the same. What if we come up with ways of changing it? We're not, we're not part of that group because we had no online education. So we can, we can do all kinds of things that no one's ever done. And we come out of this thing with an online program as the faculty at Tufts said, and I think the Dean also said, is we want to build an online program that's better than on-site. So what can we do when, when we come back to on-site? Our online program is so good that the two of them together create something that's much better than Dartmouth as far as education ever had. And that to me is, is thriving versus surviving. And it's also waking up every morning and asking yourself, if I was given this job today, would I take it? And if it, the, the, the answer is yes, what are you gonna do to make Dartmouth today and yourself better? Yeah, and I think it's an amazing perspective. You know, it, I think, uh, and Nelson, you know, some of the conversations we've had at many organizations, even TIPCO, with technology and in evaluating just a singular thing. You know, I need to worry about getting my business running right now. I need to worry about getting my staff back right now, or these things. But realizing that the smart companies are realizing this is probably going to go on for a while. So how do I continue? Maybe I think I think a little differently. To Mitch's point, I think about thriving, not just surviving this. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's very true. I mean, there, there's a certain perception and a way that you start to need to look at these kinds of problems and realize, like you said, we we could be here for I mean, who knows how long. And there's a certain element here of being able to sustain either my business, but also innovate as part of that process, if you will. So a lot of the organizations that we're dealing with, especially through programs like Tipco Labs and so on, they're still looking at, well, how can I innovate? How can I pivot? How quickly can I achieve a uh, kind of a, a change in my organization, if you will, so that I can thrive? And it's not just a survival approach. Now, obviously, for some verticals, that's a little more challenging than others, but Generally speaking, I find that a lot of the conversations I'm having with customers is still around where can we innovate? How can we do better? What can we change to make sure that we come out of this even stronger than what we were before? And that our employees are not, you know, at the point where, oh man, you know, that was just terrible. It's like, you know what, we came through that that era, that time, that challenge, and, and look where we are now. And it accelerated a lot of what we were hoping to achieve. So I, I agree. I mean, I think I think it's a great model. I love it. I, I hadn't heard that before. And I think it's fantastic. The other piece of that, and what I've, I've talked to people at Dartmouth and also outside of Dartmouth, is that everybody has people in the organization, whether they're in their sales staff or in their programming staff that are thriving. And what they need to do is to reach in and say, how about becoming a teacher rather than a programmer? How about becoming um, a lead versus a follower at this time? 
And because you have figured something out that we need within the company, and we would like to promote that ability of you to spread that sort of way of working. So I think the your company knows how to thrive during any company knows how to thrive. The problem is the people who have figured it out are not in a position of leadership to drive it. So the leadership needs to find out who are like the salespeople. I was just talking to a company and their sales team has at, one of their sales teams has broken all existing records. And I said, well, why don't you take them and teach, teach your other sales team? What the hell are you doing? What's different? And they've, they've found ways of working together and talking to clients that are much different than what the company had done in the past. Whereas the other sales staff were sitting on their hands bemoaning the fact that they couldn't go talk to the client. They couldn't physically be next to them. Be next to them. This, this other group just got rid of that and said, that's not the job today. The job, we still have to sell our stuff. But what are all the tools and things we can do that actually engage our clients in a way that none of our competitors are? And I think the same thing in here at Dartmouth is how do we engage with the students? How do we engage with the faculty? But how do we do it digitally? And how, like yesterday, we did a, a, a program with we brought Zoom in and we built this really cool interface for Zoom that allows you to create uh, tables and people and you see people joining tables like and uh, various um, thing the tables have labels on them. That, so the things that they're talking about, you can jump in the conversation. And you can see all this visually. So you can walk in just, it's like walking into a room and you say, oh, they're talking about race and relations over there. They're talking about this at the wall. I'm gonna go join that conversation. And then your head pops up and people can see it's you. So they know the people around the table and whether or not they wanna join. So now the room is gonna come back to us and they're gonna go proposal. We just did this with Slack. We built integration to Canvas and they wanna add that to Zoom because they don't have that. In a competitive market, there's other companies now that are competing with them that are offering solutions that's somewhat like this, but not as good as this. And for higher ed, and, and we've already showed them, here's the code, this is how it's done. They could have it up in a month. Yeah, no, I mean, communication is a big aspect for sure. I mean, that, yep, that's yep. probably the first thing that people probably noticed is just how do you engage, how do you communicate, how do you work efficiently as teams? Uh, and then, I mean, uh, in, in, and just be aware of the fact that you can't just go down the street and go visit your customer. Right. So yeah, that, that, that is true. That's, that's a very interesting way to look at well, it. Definitely. In the morning, that's what we were thinking about doing is we just spin it up and anybody can join in with a cup of coffee, join in a conversation, drop into a, a meeting, whatever they want to do. And it's a drop-in center. If you think of it, it's, it's basically the kitchen is what you have them before. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you definitely put it, you know, again, that thriving aspect, putting, taking something that we, we had before and just putting a whole new face on it, putting a whole new perspective to it. So, yeah, so thanks for that. You know, great story. And um, again, you know, it, it, I, I tell you, I have to be I'm reminded of, you know, what I've been coining community, helping community is what I felt like with the way the teams came together to, to do the work that we did collaboratively. And it's, you know, like you said, it's not, the story's not over. It's not done. Uh, but amazing technology brought in there, the data, uh, data off of MIST, you know, using Wi-Fi data along with your location information to then build heat maps, to then build paths that people most likely took as they walked through campus. You know, just some incredible, um, you know, analytics on top of real-time data. So great, great, great. I'm throwing the TIPCO name around today. I was in a meeting with MIT and a whole host of universities. 
and they were talking about dashboards and having troubles and all that stuff. And I got to explain the exact model that we went through and how we were building these and the tools we were using. And people were like, well, how did you do that? And who are you working with? And I, I think that they're, they are doing contract tracing, but I would say that the funny thing is, is all the people doing contact tracing, it's all a proof of concept. Nobody's actually doing it. Yeah. Which is the, the difficulty I, I, I find with contact tracing. I actually think that because of where we are at Dartmouth with MIST and all the other pieces that we have in place, that we could do a pretty good job with contact tracing. Oh, if we're no asked to do that, and then if we go back to the work we've done with TIBCO and tie that all together, we'll also be able to report back on it in a much better way than most of our peers. But that's what, I mean, you find too, a lot of customers, you're taking a very data-centric approach, you're incorporating analytics and that kind of a thinking right from the beginning. And it's not just about you know, contact tracing, it, it's a much more holistic sort of view. And if you can do that with the right set of tools, let's still let you do it, TIBCO fast, as you mentioned, or by our way, our, our CEO is going to love you for saying that. So I'm just, just <laughs> but if, I mean, if, but if you can combine and kind of think outside the box in that way and take that more holistic approach, then you get these kinds of solutions. And then you can offer the doctor the solution that I'm assuming you're going to have done as soon as we're done this conversation. But but those those are the kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually not thinking that that's going to happen. So we'll be known as uh, Darwin Fast. How's that? But I also awesome. think that your CEO probably didn't coin the term. He watched the way you guys worked and said, oh, this is a different way of working. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. If not, I'll give you Greg's phone number and you can feel free to call him at home for any problems you might have. <laughs> All right. You know, great, great stuff, you know, and then again, amazing story, amazing solutions that were built. And again, it's, 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 it's a story that's still going on. And one of the things I chatted with Nelson about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, Mitch, was, you know, some amazing technology, again, brought together in a very unique way because of a problem that is really, everybody understands what the problem is, right? which is, which is, Cool, in a way, from a technologist's perspective, how many times is it somebody asks you, what do you do, right? And you're trying to explain what you do as a technology person. And now I say, yeah, well, I helped uh, manage to, to build a solution that helps, you know, deal with COVID. Everybody knows what I said now. Right? I don't know what aspect of it, but they know what you're talking about. But, but I think what is really amazing here is, again, these new solutions and new technology that we've seen unique ways that maybe we wouldn't have looked at before. You're back to your example, Mitch, of how you're using Zoom and maybe bringing in Slack. But I, I, I feel like a lot of these new solutions and technologies are going to pave the way for future technology paths. And, and, and you know, taking what we've learned now to what we've already built and now and also seeing new ways how we apply things is really, I think, can open some doors. At least that's kind of what I think. I think the coolest thing is that people are learning how to use tools to, to work in teams together and that the tools themselves punch holes through silos. And that probably is the biggest accelerator in any company because what you end up is with bureaucratic silos that managers create one sometimes to protect themselves and other times to maintain a level of control because they're micromanagers. So micromanagement gets thrown out the window the inability to protect their staff. So people are going to talk to them and pull them into a Zoom meeting. They don't have to go over and talk to them. They don't have to walk by the manager. 
they can yeah. just say, John, just join this group. We have some stuff we want to talk about. By the way, we're working in teams now. Boom, click. You're a part of this team. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, how did I get part of this team? And the manager's like, no, you can't do that. And what I've seen is we already have managers who are leaving because the way they were working just doesn't work anymore. They can go find jobs otherwhere, other way, places, and they can work in that way. But what I see from companies, at least the ones I've been working with recently, is they'll punch holes and get to the resource they need for a team. They form a team, they solve the problem, and disband. And then they have this feeling that they did something cool and they got something done and they're looking for other teams to join. And if they become really good at what they do and they become more of a Swiss knife versus a one sharp blade, that they become beneficial to any any team that grabs them. Oh, all we need is this guy, the network guy. Well, we got a network guy that also, oh, he can program. He knows Docker. He knows he knows. All of the server side, he knows this. He's like, oh, this is a universal tool. I'm plugging him into every team I have. But then what you find out is what we do now is the most talented person on the team can't work. He has to teach. So if he's the best programmer that we have in something, he can't program. He has to get everybody else to program. And what we've done is we've upped the games of all of our teams and our programmers. We had one person who could program in Ruby when we started. We have about 12 now that are really good Ruby programmers. And we didn't have to go outside for training. Again, the expertise to do this exists within your staff. The problem is you just haven't utilized them in that way. Another thing we're thinking of doing, which is kind of cool, which you may not think about, is a lot of our parents just need a couple hours of time during the day to do something. So some of our staff are all no shit, excuse me, no stuff. And so we have people in biology, we have people in chemistry, we have people in music. So they have volunteers to teach a two-hour class on a week to students. And they're basically kids of our, our uh, staff can attend. And they have a little curriculum put together and they enjoy it. They can teach programming if the kids are interested. They got, we have robotics. We have all kinds of stuff that we can teach. And I think that, made a, that, that said that we were, we were actually trying to help our people survive and do better at no cost. My staff who are doing it are loving it. And I just think that, they're, again, those resources for your team, for your, for your uh, company to excel are built right in. You just have to explore them in a little different way. And how do, one of your staff, let's say it's your top level staff, but it frees up 10 of your salespeople to have two hours to just focus on doing their work because their yeah. kids are now able to have something really engaging to talk about. Company did that for them. Anyway, yeah, yeah, talk yeah about that's it. awesome. It, it, it's a good. I mean, Greg, we've talked about this, and even, I mean, a large part of the way in which people can adopt and change and and pivot to building and thinking about problems in different ways. It, it's really it comes down to a lot of the culture, and it comes right. down to the way in which your organization is structured. So, and and you know, again, Greg and I will talk about this even internally in Tipco when we were building Gather Smart. It wasn't just a group of developers that went and built Gather Smart. It was actually a development team and the team that supports it from a cloud standpoint, it was the legal team. Was, I mean, there was a whole group of people that quickly needed to be brought together and talk the same language somehow, right? Sometimes the legal team maybe doesn't talk the same way the developers do, but they all had to come together and, and be able to produce that quickly. So uh, culture yeah. and organizational structure are critical for sure. So the cool back thing with, with, with COVID, culture's on the table. Mm -hmm. 
when yeah. the past culture isn't on the table. But you actually do have to create a new culture to be able to thrive. You can't take the old one and just repackage it and think that you're just going to do more of what we did during this period. Yeah, that's drastic enough that it, you're right. It is on the table. Right. And op- open for a complete rework, not just yeah. all tweak, move one person to a new team. That That's not going to cut it anymore. And also the people that say we're just trying to get back to where we were are the people that aren't thinking about where they're going. They're thinking about where they've been. And so there's no new information there. The only new information you're getting are people are thinking about what are we going to do tomorrow to be successful and how do we leverage that to be successful when we're done, when we're out of this? How do we, how does this accelerate, accelerate us? Yeah. Yeah. I this, you have all these companies out there that are all surviving. So the actual competitive market is easier. If you get that <laughs> That's right. They're all standing still, essentially. Sure. It's like, wait a minute, who's, who's talking the clock? It's <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, you know, um, you know, even with our own team, Nelson, you know, what we went through, Tipco Labs team, OCTO team, and building together smart, you know, how we transitioned from uh, being a team of what we to that team that you said, the larger community to help gather smart, then to how we transitioned and brought in others, right, to be involved and take over and be the next phase of what gather smart is. And uh, I, 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 same way with your, your experience, Mitch, and I know Nelson knows this too, is the, the level of excitement you see, the energy people, when they see that there's some amazing thing going on, especially because everybody here knows COVID, they knows what, know, know what it is. So to be involved in a project like that, the energy level just came up and people that came into our team just did things they've never done before. And they did start doing them really, really well. And so it's helped us even go faster. And Mitch, I won't, <laughs> I don't want to scare you, but it's helped us even go faster than we were going before. So. <laughs> well, that's going to change, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's been great. Team has definitely picked up on that idea of how fast you work and have actually doubled down on their own processes internally and started evaluating them. And I've, we've seen the change, by the way. I will tell you externally, we have, we have definitely seen the change. You know, the well, one so- thing that I really felt is that our cultures fit. For yeah. some reason, I don't know why, or probably because we're IT guys. <laughs> and, and, and that immediately clicks. But the idea of actually solving a problem and then actualizing that, what you did is, is you took it and you shrunk the framework for that to, to the point where you almost get to think of a problem and solve it and show a solution the next day. If some IT guy doesn't get excited about that, then he's not an IT guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's fair. I, I do have to give full credit to our engineering team, though, for building a platform that lets us do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But totally. That's always the core. If we, had, if we had nothing there to start with, then it might have been a slightly bit more challenging problem. Right. Well, that was very yeah. decisions that people made, uh, you know, probably a long time ago to build that kind of a platform. And that, so, as uh, uh, Dave talks about, I mean, he's probably the closest guy you have, Dave Ricker, who's working with it. And yeah. when we were talking about with the administration, why we wanted to use the Timco stuff is we basically said, look, we could do this with everything else. It's not going to work as well. It's going to take a ton of a lot more work. And why would we train our staff on old technology when almost everything that we're doing today with Timco is the future and as how data is going to be utilized. 
And so that's what we're looking at right now. And that's why we went forward with working with Tuco, or why we were able to finally get the contract signed. <laughs> well, we, we definitely appreciate your part the partnership and um, it's been, it's been fantastic. And it will can, it's just going to be a better and better story every, every week, every day. So I want to close um, uh, with some, just some thought, get some final thoughts on you going back to the thriving versus uh, surviving mode. And if you were to share one, two to three imperatives that you would advise to a company, how to thrive versus survive, both, both Nelson and Mitch, what would those be? I think one is the one I asked my staff as a question, which is, would this be, if you were offered this job today, would you take it? That kind of put people's heads in the right space. I said, okay, well, that job requires you to think forward and not backward. You didn't have this job yesterday. This is a new job. It's a new time. How, how, how do you adjust to the way we're working or the way we need to work? to be successful. And I think other, the other thing you need to do is you need, need to shrink the time frame. As people start thinking, there's two sets of time frames. The, one of, the first one is when you wake up tomorrow, it's the first day you had the job, and what are you gonna do today to make tomorrow better? And what are you gonna do today to make the company better? Every day you come to work with that attitude. It's, this, it's the first day you had that job. And, it's, and you want to put all your effort into making tomorrow better. Some people have quoted me that said, I want to live my life. It's the last day. And I would say that's the wrong approach because then you're just consuming everything and you're not planning for the future. If you wake up every day and think it's your first day, and with everything you have, you put into making tomorrow better, your company's going to improve. But then focus, get the company to focus on what's the vision for two years, three years, one year out, one year out. Not... Not, not how to get there, but where we want to be, what kind of company you want to be. And so that the whole, everybody can get around when they're around the table. They don't have to ask you to strategize about where they're going. Why are we doing this? They know they're doing this to go there. I think those are the three things that I have used with my staff. And, I, and then what I want to do is I try to develop everybody, everybody in the leadership role and everybody has an opportunity to take us there at any given time they're offering either to contribute or to deliver on a solution. And don't be afraid to step up and take a leadership role when you feel like it's not being done by somebody else. That's fantastic. Uh, Nelson, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, that's, that's, that's tough to beat that, but I think, I think that's all very, very, very relevant. I mean, I think, you know, given, you know, we, we are part of Office of the CTO, we do execute upon TIPCO Labs. I think a large part of Mitch, what you described is key and core to the way that organizations need to look at innovation. It, it's multifaceted. It's not just about technology, it's the people, it's the perception, it's the way you approach your problem. Um, and it's just your your view on, on what it is that you're trying to achieve. And if that view is clear and you know, and you're working towards that set of goals and you have the right kind of what I call aptitude and attitude around it, then innovation is going to be driven out as part of that. So that's always a part that we try and preach as part of the work that we do with customers and partners and so on. And, and you know, very glad to see your passion around it. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. I need to clone you and take you everywhere we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. You know, it's been fantastic uh, chatting with both of you. I, I always enjoy these. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, obviously, I'm very passionate about what you're doing at, at Dartmouth, Mitch. And so thank you for spending time with us today, Mitch. And thank you, Nelson. Yep. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. And, uh, 
everybody in audience. Um, we hope you enjoyed the time and hope you enjoyed this chat. And uh, thank you for attending. Thank you, Nelson, Mitch, and Greg. As we now hit a new phase of the COVID pandemic, the capabilities of Gather Smart are of even greater importance and the underlying data associated with safely reopening our economy more fragmented. To learn more, click on tipco.com slash tipco for good. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, subscribe, tell your friends, or leave a review. It will help others find Tipco Tech Talks. You've been listening to Tech Talks by Tipco. Stay tuned for more innovation-filled episodes. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and leave a review.